This is your captain speaking. Welcome aboard DJ's Aviation Podcast. This is your home for everything aviation. From the latest news on aircraft, airlines, and airports, to documenting travel journeys unlike any other across the globe. Be sure to check out our second YouTube channel, Globetrotting at DJ's Aviation, where you'll find analytically driven coverage of the industry, which aims to answer your most burning questions. But for now, we're next in line for takeoff. So I'll pass you over to our host for today's proceedings, Dan. A very warm welcome back to the DJ's Aviation Podcast. This is the third episode in the matter of seven days, so I hope you have been enjoying the content. And in case you missed any of the previous episodes, um, the midweek one was a review of my Bonza 737 MAX inaugural flight, flying from Melbourne to Mackay. And then last weekend, I believe, was a podcast taking a look at the latest news on the aviation industry. But the one thing that still remains missing is the review of my Scoot Boeing 787 flight and the beginning of a new mini-series taking me right around the world. And that's where the focus will be on today. A reminder, you can listen to this podcast on your chosen platform by just typing in the DJ's Aviation Podcast. It is widely available on what I believe to be 20-plus audio streaming platforms, the most popular though definitely being your Spotify and Apple podcasts. So, the premise for this journey is uh, beginning in Melbourne, my home, and flying towards Singapore. I initially had a ticket booked with Jetstar uh, on their Melbourne to Sydney afternoon flight, where then I'd have a layover and uh, board a Lufthansa aircraft through to Frankfurt. However, Jetstar are probably an airline, if you're Australian, that you know quite a fair bit about. Hell, even if you're maybe in different parts of the globe, you'll have heard some things about Jetstar and the general premise is they're not normally on time. In fact, they're an airline that has some terrible, terrible delays. And at the time I was flying, a lot of their uh, longer hauled operations were experiencing eight, ten hour delays. Uh, This Melbourne to Singapore flight was cancelled four days in a row. So I didn't have a lot of confidence in the airline. Um, The flight was cheap, which is why I booked it. This journey that you're going to hear me go on, I basically tried to do everything as cheap as possible. So that meant booking everything on an individual ticket and just getting the cheapest airline. Sometimes taking, sometimes pardon me, taking long distance trains to go to smaller airports uh, with low cost airlines. So I picked Jetstar just knowing they were the cheapest. And at the time, they were roughly around the same mark as uh, Scoot, being Singapore Airlines' low-cost brand. Uh, But I just was losing a lot of confidence in Jetstar. And everything hinges on that first flight, me actually making it to Singapore. Uh, If I don't make it to Singapore, I lose time in certain destinations. And it just was becoming uh, a little bit of a nightmare. And the way the flight had been going, it was continuously being cancelled, delayed eight hours, delayed five hours. Basically, I don't think it got away on time in nearly two months. Uh, and with the risk of then me missing a connection, that just, I couldn't, I couldn't stand that. So I, I, bought, I bit the bullet and cancelled that flight and uh, moved towards Scoot. Now, I was a bit reserved on Scoot, uh, being the low-cost carrier of Singapore Airlines and having a a uh, pretty unfortunate experience with Singapore Airlines with regards to my allergy when I flew them the first time in, um, when was it? 
August, September, I think it was. Yeah, towards the towards the end of August I, uh, 2022, I flew Luft, uh, Singapore Airlines, pardon me, for the very first time and was pretty disappointed. So naturally going to a sister airline of theirs being Scoot, uh, I was hoping that the experience wouldn't be the same, but I'd heard some good things about them. So as always, I was willing to go in with an open mind and hopefully was going to enjoy it. So we'll begin the trip in Melbourne Airport, uh, Terminal 2, that is our international airport here, which is undergoing quite a bit of construction and refurbishment, which is generally being seen right around the airport to give it a major facelift, and boy is it in dire need of one. Uh, It is very dated in there, um, even from layout purposes. The one thing that I I don't think I like about Melbourne Airport that I think many can agree with is the very, very low ceilings that are present in a lot of the airport. It's just something that is very Melbourne. Um, It's always been like that and uh, probably doesn't feel the same in Terminal 4, which is the newest terminal. That feels a bit more like a breath of fresh air. But uh, in in the main portion of the airport, that includes T1, T2, and T3, you definitely feel like the ceilings are coming down on you, and there there's not a lot of light. I mean, there is no natural light to begin with, but there is really no adequate lighting as well. It just feels very dark. Um, in comparison to traveling around some other airports, you can definitely see the difference. That being said, they are refurbishing it. It is a multi-year uh, program that they're going to be undertaking, so... If you're traveling through Melbourne Airport internationally, just remember that there's going to be a fair bit of construction work going on and the layout of the airport may change from that. Uh, I know that the departure point has changed, so the the gates, if you will, to the international area, uh, border security and security screening, they've been moved uh, because now there is all the construction taking place in that area. Uh, And obviously, there's also work going on at uh, T1, which is the Qantas domestic terminal. So definitely a lot going on with the airport. But some of the the main takeaways still from that is the airport rail link doesn't seem to be going ahead, which is something that many believe is we're in dire need of. And the fact that Melbourne still doesn't have it is a bit of a joke. Um, Additionally, there's a lot of talk around the terminal expansion. Uh, While in the master plan, there is room for that third runway and that is moving ahead. Uh, A lot of people do believe that there is a need for a terminal expansion. The gates are pretty packed. Um, There are windows available where there there are spare spots at the gates, but the amount of times that aircraft need to be parked to remote holding stands with not many left. And even before the pandemic... I do recall many international flights having to get off uh, via buses. Um, They were parked over near the domestic terminal and they were bused to Terminal 2 because there just wasn't any spaces available. So I fear in regards to scheduling. I mean, Melbourne's done a good job thus far with some of the newer airlines coming in, including, pardon me, Vietjet and Cebu Pacific having kind of late arrival times and, and and so forth that it means that they do have those gaps available in the terminal but obviously when it comes to scheduling um you can't have all planes say going off at 145 it may just not work for slots and and what the airline also wants to schedule so uh, people have their proposals of what they'd like to see be done to the terminal to add additional gates and just Uh, give a bit more capacity to the airport because there is a lot of room for growth. I mean, taking a look at some of the planned airlines, you have your Air Canada's. A lot of people would love to see Korean Air and question why we still don't have that link. Uh, There's also the LL Israel Airlines, um, which a lot of people believe will be 
joining us very soon. Turkish Airlines is coming as well on a trial basis towards the end of the year via an Asian destination. And on top of that, we're still getting more carriers based in Asia returning with more frequencies, increasing those. Uh, There's a lot of talk about potential more North American connections. Uh, Yeah, so there's a lot of options and I think a lot of growth for Melbourne in the future. Uh, It's just where that's going to take place. So just remember, if you're flying through T2, you're definitely going to see a lot of construction work. I was flying Scoot. Uh, Check-in was smooth and passing passing through security, pardon me, was a breeze. Probably one of the faster um, experiences going through security. It wasn't all that busy and I think that was probably... Uh, what aided it as well, but uh, they do have some of the new screening technology in Melbourne Airport T2, which means you don't have to take anything out of your bag, which I also think automatically speeds up the process, and for people that may not travel as frequently or face anxiety when going through these things, they don't have to frantically scramble to take things out of their bag and be unaware of what to leave in and what to take out. So, It's a great initiative and I'm excited for more and more airports to roll that out and hopefully make the security screening space just the all a little bit more easier. I was flying on the Pokemon jet for this 787 journey to Singapore, which after 82 flights, I believe, well, actually probably at the time it was 78. Don't quote me on the number, but around that mark, um, I flew on my first special livery. That's something I've been wanting to do for such a long time and, uh... If you have been closely following along and keeping up to date with recent trips I've been on, I've always been like one one step too far away from a special livery, i.e. Uh, in Sydney, I will always remember this, in Sydney I was flying a Qantas 787 to Vancouver and there were two 787s parked next to each other at two gates, therefore next to each other, both departing at around the same time. One to Vancouver, one to, was it Los Angeles? I think I want to say Los Angeles. I hope it was Los Angeles. Anyway, they were both departing at the same time. And one of them was the Qantas uh, 100 years livery. And one of them was a a standard Qantas livery. And uh, I got on the Qantas standard livery and I just couldn't believe it was right there. And I was, I I almost thought for a second that I had it because I didn't know where the gates were and I hadn't seen the plane livery. I just saw the special one and I was like, well, I don't see another Qantas 787. So I must be flying on this one. And there's been plenty of other times uh, where I've taken trips and I've I've seen the special livery uh, and just haven't got on it. Or maybe it was the next flight after me. Uh, or maybe two days in a row, a special livery had operated, and then on my flight, it wasn't the special livery. Uh, so it was fantastic to be able to finally see the Pokemon jet, no other scoot aircraft hiding away in a corner, and knowing that I was set to be going on that exact one. So the boarding at Scoot has a makeup of priority, Scoot Plus, and economy. Uh, you can purchase priority for $6 extra because Scoot is a low-cost airline. They offer a very, very cheap flights. And then on top of that, if you want to get priority check-in, if you want to get priority screening, priority boarding, food on the plane, extra leg room, uh, that's where the costs come up. Um, that's just the how low-cost airlines work. But for $6, as I was recording this for a flight review, which... I'm very pleased to say is actually fully edited and scheduled. In fact, today I'll be editing my third flight review from this series to be going on Globetrotting in July. So I've got these flight reviews coming. I did record them. It's just a matter of um, 
getting them all scheduled and edited. And I've already done two of them. The third one is coming today and then there'll be a fourth one. Uh, and I don't think there's any more after that. But then I'll be go- I'm traveling again. So then I'll, I'll record the next trips as well. But yeah, it is um, that those are coming. So if you're listening to this and want to see the video form, just wait until July. Keep your eye on the Globetrotting at DJ's Aviation channel. That's where it will be published. But I purchased it for $6 purely because I wanted to get on the aircraft early, not knowing it was going to be the scoot jet, but just to review the cabin and walk through um, seamlessly and not have to worry about standing there and ruining that shot. I do really like the boarding shot and I like the ability to, if you're going to pass, say, business class, be able to show that. Well, that's not the same on on Scoot. It is the principle of just being able to show off the cabin with not everyone there. So I thought the $6 was worth it. Uh, Upon clearing that, we had our boarding, not boarding moment where we were stuck on the jet bridge for about 20 minutes, not going into the aircraft. That is always very funny. (laughs) I like how boarding begins and then you kind of go to holding in the jet bridge. That was fine though, because I did have a window where I could look at the Pokemon jet um, and a Singapore Airlines aircraft. So, you know, could have worse places to queue, like five steps forward where you couldn't see anything um, inside the aircraft. Wow. So uh, I didn't know too much about the Pokemon jet other than it was a special paint job on the outside. But the inside is also done up with all Pokemon themed items. I mean, from the seats to the overhead bins with uh, stickers on them. It really felt like the Pokemon Jet wasn't just on the outside, it had also been taken inside, and that's something I think I like to see. Uh, the last thing you'd want to do is say fly on a special livery, and maybe they haven't gone to that effort. And I know there are some airlines that don't do this. Uh, to a certain extent, I would love to see it. Um, Qantas have their Aboriginal 787-9 Dreamliner scheme, And uh, I don't think much is done on the inside, but I would love to see a theme done for that aircraft similar to Pokemon. So whether it is um, the the napkins that are handed out, whether it is the amenity kit for that aircraft, obviously it would cost the airline more, but I just think for an overall experience, uh, it would be fantastic. Because while people see the aircraft from the outside delivery, maybe making that experience inside themed would be great too but i can understand why they did it for the pokemon jet uh, and it, it definitely was a massive success as for the comfort and the legroom uh, of of this scoot 7879 in economy honestly very very good uh, i found the legroom to be more than adequate and actually the seat was very comfortable for a low-cost airline there is no ife on the Scoot 787s. Again, for me, that isn't a problem. If you know me, I don't normally use IFEs, but I do always review them because I know other people will use them. So if you see in comments uh, on my reviews or on my flight, or even just in the podcasts, pardon me, me saying the IFE didn't work, it was really frustrating. Uh, While it may not impact me in the sense of I'm probably not even going to use it, I do know that nearly everyone uses it. So it is worth mentioning that, hey, if the IFE on Lufthansa is terrible, which, spoilers, it was, for anyone that will be booking this in the future, it's definitely something to remain aware of. Uh, Scoot does have a Scoot Entertainment Hub, and and through there you're able to, I think, play games and have on-demand entertainment. 
Uh, in this day and age, with everyone having their own devices as well, while an EFE, an IFE, pardon me, is certainly beneficial, the ability to just download movies, download music, podcasts, and shows, and bring your own personal device is what, for a lot of people, would consider more than enough, and the IFE is just a bonus. Um, and it's what you would come to expect for a low-cost airline as well. So, departure from Melbourne was on time. Couldn't say the same for Jetstar, though. That was delayed about three or four hours. So, lucky I did book the scoot because I wouldn't have made my connection if I stuck with Jetstar. So, that was just a a luck thing. Uh, The peanut allergy. That is something I wanted to cover. Again, these these reports that I do and even these podcasts I do are very much something I do for fun. So, and they're also related to me. Uh, I, I usually have to be so serious on the two channels and, you know, make sure everything's done in three to four minutes. Everything is scripted, uh, condensed, make sure I'm not rambling. Whereas the fun I have with the podcast is I'm able to do those things. It's also like a audio diary for myself. So in, in 10 years time, I can go back and listen to my experience and hopefully try and remember Uh, certain key aspects of a journey or a funny moment while traveling and again if anyone wants to listen then that's something that is more than appreciated and I'm very grateful for the little audience base that we've built up uh, as a community here away from everything else that is done and in fact I'm aware there's probably some people that listen to these episodes of the podcast and have no idea that there are other things on other platforms like a website, uh, YouTube channels, and so forth. So I appreciate you guys, especially for taking the time to listen to this. And yeah, so aside from all of that, I think I was on the track of the peanut allergy. So as mentioned, I did not have a very good experience with Singapore Airlines. And again, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, uh, I am anaphylactic to peanuts. I carry around an EpiPen and have a pretty severe reaction if I was to ever come in contact with a peanut. So, naturally, when traveling, I'm always a little bit uh, iffy. I do get nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I do always get nervous at the potential of what could happen, but you do learn to just try and accept it and go with the flow and just hope everything will be okay and normally trust in the crew that you inform. Um, It is pretty serious and... uh, I don't, the last thing I want to do is ruin someone else's flight experience because of my allergy. So if I've got to let someone know or the crew have to let them know, look, please don't consume peanuts for this flight. That does make me feel bad. I know it shouldn't, but I don't want to ruin their flight if that's what they want to do just because of like poor me. Um, Unfortunately, though, it is a reality because I do want my life to remain intact. and I don't want the staff to have to go through an experience that could be bad. So... When I boarded Singapore Airlines and informed the staff and also informed the airport staff and to kind of be questioned like, and, oh, you have a peanut allergy and, um, and then almost to like be refused boarding because they didn't want to allow me on the aircraft, uh, just little things like that. I didn't have a lot of confidence in Scoot, but I'm very, very pleased to say that Scoot were absolutely incredible. Their staff were so lovely and went above and beyond, let people know around me, kept checking up on me, made sure if I needed anything. Um, And while they could have just said to the people around me, look, someone here has a peanut allergy, could you please refrain from eating them? They did go above and beyond to make sure I was okay. I was okay and I didn't need them to do that, but the principle is they still did. 
um, and they really made sure throughout the flight, um, even when I ordered a water, they came and gave it to me and they're like, is everything okay? You're doing all good. I just thought little things like that, um, which weren't seen with Singapore Airlines that is meant to be the premium full service carrier, uh, was a little bit of a shock, but more than welcomed. And I think that really set the theme for the overall flight. It was a joy to be on, genuinely. Uh, I've had the chance and very grateful to fly many airlines throughout the years. And the, the point of this trip was to try, wherever possible, new airlines. And I flew, I believe, uh, one, two, three, four, five airlines I flew, and four of them were ones I had never boarded before. So, I wanted to try new airlines out just to be able to see what it was like. And Scoot really did work their way up into my top three. Um, and there's another airline that you haven't heard about yet that is also in that top three. But I thoroughly enjoyed the flight. I mean, there were really no complaints from start to finish. The crew just did everything to make everyone feel welcome. And they really got into the Pokemon spirit as well. While we were uh, just exiting Australian, Australian or flying over Australia, pardon me, they dressed up in their Pokemon onesies and went through the cabin, offering people any opportunity they wanted to have a photo with some Pokemon things. Now, I'm not into Pokemon, but I thought that was very nice because there were people on the plane and kids that really wanted to take those pictures. And that is a flight that they will never forget. And uh, if you're like me... I do love airports and I love the feeling around traveling, but I actually hate flying. I don't think there's much, much better than, I don't think there is anything, how do I word this? I just don't think there's really that much great about a nine hour flight where you're just sat, especially in economy, like there's no real way to sugarcoat it. Um, Aside from being grateful to be doing that, like everyone is grateful, I just don't think it's a fun thing to do being sat there for nine hours. Now, if you're in the front of the plane, well, then of course you're going to love the experience, but uh, towards the back, not so much. Having done that so much, um, and usually because I'm Australian and any Australian can relate, everything is so far away. So if you do want to go to a Europe, a America, it's you know, 20 hours of traveling, sometimes even longer. And the amount of times I've done like 65 hours of nonstop traveling, it just means I don't enjoy the flying aspect anymore, but I do still love exploring the airports. I love the feel. So to have them break up the flight by, you know, getting into the Pokemon spirit and making so many kids happy was a really nice thing to see. And I I'm really happy they did that. And again, it goes to show that it was a a different experience and it's a flight I'll certainly remember if it wasn't for the crew being fantastic. It's just for them going the extra mile to really get into the spirit of the aircraft. For those that are curious on the um, food, they don't do a meal service. If you want to buy food, well, if you want food, you need to buy it. It's just the same for like any low cost airline. I didn't, but they had some great options there. Um, that I'm sure would appeal to anyone from noodles, chicken dishes, rice dishes, Asian dishes, um, drinks, and everything like that. And that comes at an additional cost. So if I would give you any recommendation, try and eat something in the airport. I had a chicken parmigiana at a pub in the airport before I left. I knew that would tire me over for nine hours and I ended up getting a subway in Singapore. So Yeah, I would just recommend grabbing something in the airport, like a meal that can sustain you. But hey, if you do want to buy something on the plane, then you have that option too. And they provide you with a menu and everything like that. 
So the price of the flight is also very attractive, and I think it's one of the main reasons why people jump on board a scoot flight. Uh, it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and I could keep going on uh, cheaper than Qantas or Singapore as premium full-service airlines. And I don't know about you, but when you're flying in economy, economy is economy. Uh, to me, there's really, yes, Qantas has an IFE, maybe a little bit more leg room and you get a meal service. And again, it's for me personally, but economy is still economy. It's a seat and I know that and it's eight hours and it is what it is. So I'm always going to go where possible for the cheapest flight. I think if someone was flying business or first class and they're looking at where to best put their money, then they do that. There are also factors to consider such as baggage. I'm aware of that. I've had that before uh, when traveling. And I've had to book specific airlines because of their baggage requirements. But normally, normally, I will always try and just get the cheapest airline possible. Um, And in this case, it was Scoot or Jetstar. And Jetstar are not reliable. So, Scoot was the option. And I mean, for the price of the flight and the amount of money I saved, uh, I think it was 100% worth it for two airlines that I probably think Scoot is better than anyway. The Melbourne to Singapore market is incredibly busy. Not only do you have multiple Jetstar flights a day, multiple Scoot flights a day, multiple Singapore flights a day, including now an A380, but you also have multiple Qantas flights. And those are the flights just going out of Melbourne. If you go to Sydney, you'll see the exact same thing. So it's a route segment that is hugely busy with a lot of competition and a lot of options, whether you want to go early in the morning towards a later point of the night, whether you want to go in the afternoon or lunchtime, there will always be a flight to take you to Singapore, which is fantastic to say the least, because it helps you with those onward connections, or if you need to be somewhere in Singapore by, say, a certain time. So, would I fly Scoot again to conclude? Yes, absolutely. Deep down, a little bit disappointed that The only route they do from Melbourne is to Singapore. Obviously, you can fly onward from Singapore to another location, but I really, really enjoyed them. And I hope you've been able to tell through this podcast just how much I did enjoy the overall experience with them. Um, I would fly them again. I would recommend them to anyone, especially on the Melbourne to Singapore segment. I would say go with Scoot hands down. Um, It was also only one flight, and maybe the next 10 flights with Scoot are terrible, but I can only base it off the one experience. Hope you enjoyed today's flight review. There are more coming, so don't worry. There are many new airlines, aircraft, plane spotting journeys, reviews of cities, and so much more on top of that. So, thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, feel free to review the podcast on Spotify or Apple, and I will give you a shout-out in the next episode. Do take care, and I'll see you next weekend. And a very warm welcome to your destination. Please keep your seatbelt fastened for the following. This has been the DJ's Aviation Podcast, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, offering up your one-stop shop for all things aviation, from news to incredible stories detailing trips worldwide. Leave a review and follow the podcast on your preferred streaming platform. For Onward Connections, check us out on Twitter at DJ's Aviation or the show notes to join our partner Discord server, see the website, and more. And we'd like to thank you sincerely for listening, and we look forward to seeing you back on board shortly for another episode of the DJ's Aviation Podcast.